it was all of a sudden like, if we're going to do this, let's just do it now. There's never going to be a perfect time. And you know that, and you're probably teaching your kids this. There's never a perfect time to get married. There's never a perfect time to have kids or even quit your job and pursue something that's going to make you fulfilled. You just, you got to do it. This is Joe Simons from Salt Strong, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. This is episode number 24 with Joe Simons of Salt Strong. I want to thank everybody for the emails that we've been getting at Podcast at Saltwater Experience. These emails have been great. Really happy to hear that you're liking the podcast. And also, I particularly like to hear the guests that you have suggested, some of which, including our next guest, have been suggested to us on email. And uh, and I actually tracked them down. I'm at the iCast show this week and was able to track down some uh, some really good ones coming up. We've got Joe Simons, April Vokey, Robert Trossett, C.A. Richardson, and Brian Latimer, as well as some other podcast headed your way. Very, very excited about these. The, the conversations were excellent and they are headed your way. Want to, uh, to also acknowledge some of the people who have been giving outstanding reviews on iTunes. Rating and reviewing the show, from what I'm told, is super important and really hate to ask it, but if you could take just a second to rate this podcast on your iTunes app. Even a review is even better. And the fan of the week this week is Jacob G44. And what he did is he gave us a five-star review and he also gave it a, he gave us a five-star rating, I should say. And then he also gave a nice little review. And this is what it says. Whatever you're looking for in a podcast, this one will exceed your expectations. Whether you want to hear great stories, something motivational, or life lessons, the Tom Rowland Podcast has it all. He has a variety of interesting guests on the show, and he is a great, he's great at interviewing them, as well as having some awesome experiences to share of his own. So thank you, Jacob. I really appreciate that. That will do a lot to uh, get this podcast to other people. This episode is brought to you by Waypoint TV. Here at iCast this week, I have noticed that the tide has, uh, has turned. The tide has turned in favor of digital delivery for outdoor content, and I'm noticing more and more and more outdoor producers of note putting their stuff on Waypoint. That means to you that there's more great stuff out there. And guess what? It's all free. You can watch it anywhere, anytime, on any device that you would like. And you know how you do that? You either go to waypointtv.com and use it like a standard website, or there are apps upon apps upon apps that you can get for virtually any device you have. You have an LG TV, you have a Samsung TV, you can navigate to the app store there. You can find Waypoint TV by simply simply by searching it. You can search it on uh, Apple TV, Roku, and many, many, many other devices. So go to waypointtv.com and use it like a website or find it at your app store by searching Waypoint TV. And then I believe you're going to be very pleased at all the hunting and fishing content that you find on Waypoint TV. Now, we've got an incredible conversation with Joe Simons from Salt Strong coming your way. 
Good to see you, Joe Simons. It's been too long. I know. Every year at ICAST, I get to see you, though. I know. Well, here we are at, at ICAST, and the, you were just saying this is the fourth year, and a lot has changed since you, uh, since you showed up here the first year. A lot has changed with uh, our audience. A lot has changed with our business model. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's Luke and I were just reflecting and, and just how grateful we are. And kudos to you. We talked about you at dinner and we're like, man, the one guy out of everyone when we first got started and had no real business plan, <laughs> just knew we wanted to teach people fishing was you that helped out. And like, you didn't really see us as a threat. And you're like, man, I just want to help these guys are doing something good. And so thank you. Well, that's, it's awesome to know that, uh, that that actually went somewhere. I didn't do anything other than sit down with you and have lunch one day and maybe answer a couple of questions, but, um, well, that was a four hour lunch. It you, wasn't. Ta- you taught me a lot, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm happy to do it. And man, have you guys really created something special? So a lot of people don't know what salt strong is maybe I say a lot of people don't know, not judging by your, your Facebook audience and, and what I can see, it seems like everybody knows what, what salt strong is, but for someone that doesn't know what it is, tell them what is it? Yeah. So uh, maybe I don't know everything that you're doing right now. Yeah. You, you, you probably don't. Cause we've pivoted a lot. The one thing, the one mission, the mantra from day one has been teaching people how to catch fish. We started doing apparel. We've gone down a bunch of different avenues. But the one thing that's never changed is teaching people how to catch fish. All of our best memories growing up were around fishing. And we were very blessed that my dad and our grandfather, his father, loved fishing. That was just a big part of their lives. So all of our vacations were around fishing. It kept us out of a ton of trouble. And just looking back, when our grandfather passed away, we all went around and told stories. It was a great celebration. He lived to 93 years old. And the theme was all about fishing. It was about his little condo there in South Daytona and all the memories we created. And I'll tell you the coolest thing, we were in the financial services industry. I know you know that, but a lot of people don't. And we had a lot of momentum. We had a great company. We had really just uh, an awesome thing going, making six figures as young people. And a lot of people thought we were crazy to leave, but we just weren't, we weren't very fulfilled in, in what we were doing. And when I started making calls, we made the decision to, to leave the business, to sell everything and, and start this company called SaltStrong. And I started making all these phone calls to, to my financial advisors who were, were my customers. And I had them literally in every single state except Hawaii. It was the only state I didn't really cover, but I literally was nationwide, had agents, financial advisors in every single state. As soon as I told them what I was doing, one, they're a little bit jealous because like, oh, you're going to go fishing for a living. But two, and this is where it really struck home, I still get goosebumps talking about it, Every single one, no matter if they're in Chicago or Florida or Tennessee or New Mexico, had a fishing story. Every one of them. They want, they were, I could hear their excitement on the phone when they wanted to tell me their fishing story. And you could, just, you could hear the memories and the smiles. And some of them hadn't told the story in 30 years. And it was, maybe they didn't even catch fish. It was something their grandfather fell off the boat and you know, got stung by a stingray. Like, it was something funny. I was like, man, like, we're not really in the fishing business. We're like in the memory-creating business. And as soon as we got our arms around that, we're like, all right, well, what does that mean? Like, how do we scale it? And we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. But to me, that's the most rewarding thing. And I'm sure you feel the same way when you hear someone that said, you know what, Tom, because of a tip or because of something I saw on your show or your YouTube channel, I went out and created a really cool experience and created memories of my kids. Like, that's what it's all about. The toughest part is how do you create a business around that and, and to scale it? Right. And that's what we're so, trying to so figure let's, out. So let's hold up. Let's back up a little bit. Yeah. So tell me about this 
How old are you now? 39. 39. And at what point did you decide that you were going to get out of this financial business? That would have been 35. Okay, so 35. So let's back up a little bit. How did you end up in the financial business? What exactly was this financial business? Sure. So that started right out out of college. Which was? 2001. But what college? Georgia Tech. Okay, Georgia Tech. Good school. Good school. I went to tech and I love trading stocks. I was pretty good at it. I wondered, I worked at AG Edwards. Like my whole path was going to be a financial advisor. And when I worked at AG Edwards, I learned something that is a young buck, 23 years old out of college, that it was tough for me to, and I was down in Florida at the time, to be able to go get a white haired person to give me a million dollars, which is <laughs> you need a million dollar customers yeah. as, as a financial advisor. And what I saw was all these wholesalers out there, you know, the, they would come in and, and pitch their annuities or life insurance or uh, variable annuities, mutual funds, whatever it is. And these guys were like doing really, really well in their mid twenties. They were getting to travel. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So I became a wholesaler. Long story short, I did not go down the path of being an advisor and became a wholesaler. And that just kept growing and growing and growing. But I, I remember very, very clearly where we were, we were at a, a conference in Chicago and my brother and I were up in our hotel room. We we're sharing a room. And at this point, my brother now joined us. And we were basically just schlepping annuities. Like annuities and life insurance were, was kind of our niche. And I remember us talking. We're like, man, <laughs> we hated like half of our, our customers. Yeah. Like I'm talking like truly did not like them. Because just with any kind of business, but especially when you start talking about money, there's a lot of greed and there's a lot of bad people, right? I mean, Bernie Madoff, there's there's... Things like that happening all the time. And even though it's not on the same level, there was a lot of financial advisors. And I'm not trying to put them all in one corner, but there was a really big chunk of them that were not doing what's always right for the consumer. They were patting their pockets first. And we saw that all the time because we got to see the entire you know picture. We got to see what the people actually had in terms of assets, what they really needed. And we got to see what the financial advisor would recommend. So how old are you at this point when you and your brother in this room talking this about is this? This is at 35. Yeah, okay. we were thir- thir- 34, 35. Okay. And we made a quick decision. And that's been one thing that I'm never, I, I don't really stew on stuff too long. My dad was like that. When my dad decided to sell a house or move or buy a new truck or whatever it is, like he thought about it for a day or two and then just made it happen. And, you know, kind of a failing forward mentality. And so we decided right then and there in the hotel room that, and it wasn't just because we didn't like our customers. It was, do we want to be doing this five years from now? Do we want to be doing this 15 years from now? And the answer was no. And we're like, well, if that's the case, and we're still fairly young, I mean, at 35 years old, why don't we create our ideal you know, company? And we had dreamed and talked about having a fishing company just because of the experiences our parents and grandparents created for us. But we had no stinking idea on how we would actually create a company and, and actually sell something. Because at the end of the day, you ain't selling something, you're out of business. So at this point, though, there's a couple more people to consider than just you and your brother on making this decision, right? Yeah. Talking about my wife, uh-huh. the most important one. <laughs> See, I know all this because I've got your book right here. And for people that may not know, people that are that are very familiar with Salt Strong, you may not know that Joe is also, in my opinion, quite accomplished author. And his book's called Fishing for Happiness. It's a red book that looks like it's got a smile made out of a fishing rod. Yeah. And it's the ultimate cheat sheet to achieving happiness and fulfillment from the top experts over the last hundred years. And what that means is that Joe read a lot of books. A few hundred. 
Yeah, a few hundred. And I've read a lot of the ones that, that you have in here. And I'm assuming that that's where we're getting to in this part of the story that, because I read your book yeah. cover to cover. And if you look at it, it's got, it's underlined and it's got notes in the margins and it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's really, uh, it, it was really profound. I, I really very much enjoyed it. We used it in our book club and everybody else got a lot out of it as well, because a lot of the books that were mentioned, we had already read or sure. where they were already on the list. But where one of the parts of your book is, is you're having to go to your wife and talk about this. You're unhappy. Yeah. Right. And just, uh, not, not fulfilled. Yeah. Just, but which is the same as unhappy. Is it? Well, I, to me, I was happy because I ha we had a lot of money. Yeah. Like money was coming in. Like w there was not, we never had the conversation, Tom, which a lot of couples do in their thirties of, can we afford that? I mean, right. I, I, I mean, I lived in a, a really big house on the golf course when I met my wife, like we had everything that we needed, but looking back, I wasn't really happy. I and mean, that was when I was a little bit more overweight drinking too much, like going down all these different paths, not going to church anymore, like all the stuff that, that I was doing when I didn't have any money, when I actually felt pretty good. Like I just, I kept struggling finding like, you know, what is it? Like what is going to make me happy? And the more I kept going down the same path, I found that I wasn't any happy. I so wasn't how are you, how are you, um, I, f I find it very interesting when somebody finds himself in a, in a situation where they're, they're, let's let's call it unhappy yeah. you're also calling it unfulfilled yep. you could call it being dissatisfied you could call it being content you could call you know a lot of people have a very similar stomach ache right. that could be called a lot of different things yeah. some people just overwhelmingly call it depression and so when you're feeling this way uh is that what starts you down this path of reading hundreds of books and trying to determine if there's an answer out there for you? You got it. That was it. And that was why I was reading. Uh -huh. And I did find that the more I read, and there were mostly self-help books, sure. you know, out of those 300 or so books, the more that I read, and I read about money, about, you know, faith in God and in relationships, how to have a better relationship, how to be a better father. And the more I read and started hearing other people's stories and, and really their struggles too, because you learn a lot from people's struggles and mistakes, the more I did feel a little bit better about myself. But the one thing, and it's the really the main cornerstone of the book is just finding a mission, finding like a why, like where you do wake okay. up every morning and it's like, why, like, what am I excited about doing? And for us, it kept coming back to that fishing. And like, like I told you, when I made those phone calls, that's the one thing I couldn't get out of my head. I was like, man, like if we can go out there and create memories like how cool of a legacy would that be for us? All right, right? so tell me about you. You you are starting to hone in on this thing that that is fishing, and I'm sure along the path there's all kinds of other crazy rabbit trails that uh, you could go down. Distractions, yeah, distractions <laughs> or whatever. But but you and talking to your brother, you are kind of honing in on. You know what? It, it keeps coming back to fishing. We're we're. I mean, are you thinking maybe maybe I might be a fishing guide? Maybe like what what are the paths that I can how can I be fulfilled? I know it, I know it's fishing, but how does it kind of manifest into something similar to what you're doing today? Sure. So the one thing that we really preached hard in the financial services industry was that riches are made in niches. And a good example is Amazon. A, a lot of younger people might not know this, but Amazon at one point was the world's largest online bookstore. That's all they sold was books. And then they take those same systems and processes and then they went into shoes. A lot of people don't know that that was one of the next big things was they, they ended up buying Zappos. And like shoes was a really big piece of Amazon. 
But Jeff Bezos from day one knew that you know he was going to be the everything. They already trademarked the everything store like 10 years before it really became the everything store. So they had a plan. And so for us, it, I, I tell you that because we knew we wanted to do something in a niche. And we actually bought Fish Strong and Salt Strong the same day, like really in the same month. And we paid a whole lot more for Fish Strong because it was already an established site, like 10x times. And actually a thousand times more because um, saltstrong.com was available on GoDaddy for $10. And so we knew we wanted to do something in saltwater. So that's step number one. Like, all right, we're going to do something in saltwater. To niche it down even more, we knew we wanted to do something in inshore fishing because that's what we had been doing the last 15 years of our life. That was what we were good at. And we knew we could teach that and impact some people. And there's a lot of people that are frustrated. As weekend warriors, it's not that easy. If you're not out on the water, if you don't have a network of guides, it's tough to know where the bait is. It's tough to know what's working now. Like, man, if we can just help those people, it's a start. But to answer your question, the the big, the most confusing part and the most frustrating part for us was how do we turn this into a business? And I think you were probably, after you met with me, you probably went home and said the same thing. Like, man, these guys got a they got energy, they got they're smart, but how the heck are they going to make money at this? Yeah, well, that's that's a lot of people's issue with with the outdoors even if it's even if it's guiding it's kind of like okay i i, I know enough to catch some fish but how am i going to get customers to come here that is a path that has a road map to it like there's lots of fishing guides you can go talk to them and there's lots of you know you can do a lot of research online but you really created something that didn't exist before but before we get to how you created something that didn't exist before in your book you had a very interesting chapter on how you how how you took this to your wife and <laughs> i'm sure you know what i'm talking about but there was a there was a part in that book and I, I can't find it just by flipping through but there was a part in that book where basically if i remember correctly and and maybe i don't it's been a while since i read re, uh, read it but there was you wrote a bunch of stuff down and she wrote a bunch of stuff down there was a period of time in between that where you come back together and compare them tell me tell me about that so my buddy um Jason Wink had given me these, these 16 questions and it's really just, um, I guess I don't remember the name of it. I called it the something questionnaire. You, you might even know the title better, but he got it from someone else. And it's essentially, you're writing down if there's no limitations to what your dream world looks like. And that's everything from writing down your dream house, how many, like, and being really specific, how many bedrooms, you know, is it a mountain view? Is it on the, on the water? Is it on a golf course? If you're a golfer, you know, does it have a boat ramp if, if you're into fishing and literally you're, you're just outlining and putting in writing, which is really important, your, your dream. Like if, if there was literally no limitations on anything, what does your life look like? And then it goes into to even your daily routines. You know, what time are you waking up? Who are you having breakfast with? Who are you having lunch with? How long are you working? Are you traveling? And you're literally just writing out like the blueprint of your perfect life. And so my wife and I both, I actually went down to my basement. My wife was upstairs. And I really remember this one because I was sweating it because I finished first. And I was like, gosh, I hope our answers you know, line up. And right now we're in Lawrenceville, Georgia. I wanted to be on the water big time. And it turns out so did she, which was awesome. And long story short, our answers were pretty similar not like scary similar where they're the, the same, but they were really, really similar. And we both looked at it and we said, all right, Lauren, your answers are similar to mine. And however, the answers we wrote down are not even remotely similar to how we're living our lives right now. And that was the aha moment. We're like, just like 
my brother and I in the hotel room. If we don't want to be doing this 10, 15 years from now, why, why do we think things are just going to magically change if we keep going down the same path? And so we made, we made a pact to, to move. And I don't remember if it was 12 or 18 months. We, we gave us a, ourselves enough time and we cut it in half. It was all of a sudden like, if we're going to do this, let's just do it now. There's never going to be a perfect time. And you know that, and you're probably teaching your kids this. There's never a perfect time to get married. There's never a perfect time to have kids or even quit your job and pursue something that's going to make you fulfilled. You just, you got to do it because the, the right time is never going to happen. Now, tell me the difference between even before we know what the, what I have you describe what this is that you created. Tell me the difference between living in a, in a state of, you, you called it unfulfilled, unhappiness, discontent, maybe even unsure, maybe even just overall just unhappy with, with kind of, and, and not realizing it, but finally identifying it. Okay. So, so you've lived like that for quite some time, made a lot of money, lots of things are going well, but you're not super, not everything is going well. So tell me the difference between living there, fast forward to today, before we even know what it is that you've created, tell me the difference in, in, in the way that it, it has affected your overall well-being. Sure. I mean, that's kind of a, a broad and loaded question, but in terms of me, for me, like a big part was just that mission, like figuring out that why, like why, why do I think I'm here on this earth? And the answer is different for everyone. And I, I had never even really thought about that until I started reading those books. And I think a lot of people don't, you know, you just, you kind of do what society tells you to do, go get a job, work your way up the ladder, get a nice house in the suburbs, get married and have kids. And I was doing all that stuff. And yet I kept looking back saying, this is not how I thought I would feel. This is not how I thought it would be. Like, there's got to be more. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I was literally like, in terms of a resume, I had married my dream girl. We had two little beautiful girls at the time. They were healthy. We lived in a house. We had no debt. I mean, we had literally zero debt. Everything's paid for. And yet I still wasn't waking up like truly fulfilled. And then when we did that questionnaire, I was like, well, holy smokes, like there's so much more out there. We're here at point A. We want to get to point B. Let's start getting there as quick as possible. Now, your question was like, how, how did that make us feel? Well, I, once again, feelings are really tough to describe, but I just, I wake up with more energy. I wake up like knowing we're making a massive difference and it happens to be in the fishing world. Everyone's going to be completely different. But w- one thing, I, one book I read was um, uh, Phil Knight's book, uh, the founder of Nike. Yep. And he started that, you know, I was born in the late seventies and Nike was, he was already making things happen around then. And jogging was not cool in the seventies. It was new and it sounds crazy today, but they had a dream and they believe that if they could get a pair of tennis shoes or jogging shoes on every person in America, the world would be a better place. It'd be more fit. They would be more active doing stuff. And people thought they were nuts, right? Think how silly that sounds now. They thought we were nuts and we believe, and this was a big part of our why that we did establish day one, that if every person in America, especially kids, if every kid had the opportunity to fish, we truly believe the world would be a better place. They would respect the, the, the nature. They would be more conservation-minded if they've actually been up there and seen it. They would understand, hey, why is this trash and this plastic in our waters? And not all of them are going to be hardcore fishermen, but we truly believe if every kid at least had the opportunity to fish, the world would be a better place. And so that's our big, our big why. That's the big movement we're slowly trying to get to. Will we ever make sure that every kid in America or even the world has a chance to fish? I don't know. 
but we're going to give our best, our best to do it. That's awesome. And, and so that's your why. And having the why is so important. The how is not important. The what, in fact, is not important. It's, it, is, it is the strength of someone's why that, that really makes a difference uh, on not only whether you're successful or not, but whether or not you have the energy to pursue it, whether or not you, um, you choose to follow through, whether or not, I mean, it, it's all about the why. That's what it all boils down to is the why. I think a lot of people are living without a, without a strong why. Things are going well. You're a great example. Things are going well for you, but really the why is not there. Like, why do you need to make more money? What, what is this accomplishing? So let's talk about what, how, how, this, um, how, how this materialized into something similar to what it is today, because I, and just watching from the outside and talking to you, your your path on salt strong has pivoted it has changed it has gone you know 180 degrees and and so today it's very different than than in the beginning but in the beginning like you and luke your brother you know you you you've kind of set your life up to where this is this is happening and you are moving in this direction what does that what does that look like at the beginning because i'm sure it's it's kitchen tables and yellow notepads and laptops and what is that? Well, I think hopefully a takeaway for your listeners is, you know, it, regardless if it's in the fishing world or not, or even the outdoor industry. Yeah, really, that doesn't even make any difference about uh, my interest in, we know each other because of fishing, but my interest in having you on the podcast really has to do with, with first of all, a lot of people consider being unhappy like being destitute and being homeless and being, you know, everything fell apart. You're a great example of, of just being unsatisfied. Things are going great. The plan that you made at 25 has actually come true, but you have reached these pinnacles and you're going, man, I thought it was going to be a lot better than this, right? A lot of people have that. And a lot of people, there, there's a certain percentage of people that at 35, they are just relegated to, well, I guess I'm just going to hate work for the rest of my life, but at least I'll be on the golf course this weekend, you know, and that might turn into a lot of drinking and that might turn into a lot of other ways of handling that discontent. But, but in, in your situation, you have no debt. I mean, you're living the American dream, but you're, but you're discontent. That really is, is the most interesting thing. The thing, the fact that you did it about fishing is, is interesting. And I'm glad you did. You're providing a great service to the fishing industry, which I'm is, is close to my heart, but I find that story of just, of just deciding this, I'm not doing this anymore. I, fe- I feel like that's really my interest in this deal. Yeah. Well, I guess to go back to your question, the first thing that we wanted to do, because we didn't really have a plan was to be helpful. Yeah. My brother and I looked at it like, all right, we know the niche that we want to go down, but what's the one thing everyone has to have is a fisherman in, in, in our case. And it was knots. You need to, and my brother's an engineer. I'm more the marketing and the idea guy about how to get it out there and promote it. And I was like, let's start filming knot videos. And then let's start testing them against each other with just little, you know, small pulleys that, uh, that, you know, measure the strength of the knot and when they're breaking. And we kept posting that and realized people liked it. And I think, so number one is to be helpful, create something helpful out there. And, and my brother and I both remember who taught us our first knots. You know, it, it happened to be my, my uncle and, and our dad. And people remember that. And so, like, how cool would it be 
if 10 years from now, there's all these people out there that remember that Salt Strong taught them these knots. So we didn't make any money off that, but we were just being helpful. And for the first six months, all we did was create YouTube videos. And we put them on YouTube for free, and we put them on our blog for free, started just growing a little small email list, and then started asking the question, what do you guys want next? What do you need help with? I mean, that's, that's the most, number one, be helpful. Number two is create a small community, even if it's 10 people, and just ask them, like, what do you guys need help with? What are you frustrated with in this, you know, specific niche? In our case, it was inshore fishing, and we got a lot of feedback. And so we started doing more content and then growing the audience and then listening. And every time we didn't listen, we regretted it. And every time we did, we got amazing feedback of people saying, here's what I want. And then just to kind of give you the progress of how the company grew, at this point, we're six months in. We had not made a single penny. We had spent <laughs> a lot. You know, Starting a business from scratch, even though it was all online-based, it still cost money. And we weren't paying ourselves. So it's one thing to tell your spouse that, <laughs> hey, I'm going to possibly go a year. And you're thinking a year is the worst case without any income. And it's the second thing to actually do it and live it. And then we have a third kid, which adds a whole other complexity and, and more bills. And it was really, really tough. So like we, we had like this another eureka moment. All right, Luke, here we are. We have a pretty cool audience. we got some momentum. People like you have been helpful. People are like asking to help out. Like, we got to sell something. And thank goodness people actually liked the logo. Yeah. At least they said they did. And they're like, hey, we kind of like to see a shirt or a hat. And so we started going down that route. But that was another one that I, I don't know if you know the whole story, but we did that for about a year and a half, two years. And we literally got out of the apparel industry because it kept going back to the why. Why do we didn't get in this to be an apparel industry? And we now found ourselves not fishing anymore because we were running a stinking apparel industry or apparel company. And we had, you know, $100,000 worth of inventory out there at any given time, had to, you know, hire an employee, then another employee just to do the customer service stuff. And we're like, ah, this is brutal again. And so like, so let was, me ask you that. That's, that's exactly where I was going to go with that is with your experience, are you seeing, man, we're going down exactly the same road that we were on. This apparel company is working. People like it. We are selling it. But again, we're going to end up unhappy, unfulfilled. It all went back to the why. And you make Tom. a conscious decision. Okay, we got to get back to this other thing that's making no money. <laughs> right? I yeah. mean that I mean ultimately that's what it is. It's like, okay, we have found a path of of little resistance that we're going down. Money's coming in. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Right? Oh, I mean, yeah. that's a tough decision. It was a really tough decision. That's, and then what did a, that, what did that do for you? That opens up time to do what? To, to teach, which is what we ultimately want to do. And so we had we had two parts of the company and apparel, for those of you not watching and listening to the podcast, apparel was up here and we were doing like, we were hitting $55,000, $60,000 a month in apparel. That's a lot of money to say, we literally cut the cord and said no, well, pretty much overnight. We gave 30 days to sell over excess inventory and we literally lost like $55,000 a month. That's a lot, that paid a lot of bills. Even though, you know, there's cost of goods and all that stuff, but it paid a lot of bills. But beneath that, which was actually growing because we had kind of proven the point where these online fishing courses and our little fishing club, we were showing spots, but in, more in particular, sharing trends on here's why this is working. Because, you know, a redfish is a redfish is a redfish, regardless if it's in Texas or Florida, they, they still have the same biology. They still feed and behave similarly. So we're like, that's where we want to focus on. And we had, that was the toughest call. That was even, I think, to me, that was tougher than even leaving our old job 
just because it was the most riskiest thing that we could, like we're literally going to like implode salt strong like it's going to be gone tomorrow or at this point do you have employees well we had this too we had to let them go <laughs> i know actually everything always works out for a reason and it turned out her name was samantha and she was awesome and she really kind of quit before we could even let her because she saw what was happening and kind of knew. And she ended up getting a, a, a job offer from her old boss for like double what they were paying her, like a new position opened up. So she ended up making double. She's happy as can be. And it, and it worked out awesome. And so, and then, you know, we went back to doing what we wanted to do with really low overhead again. We got rid of all that excess stuff and started over with just the two of us and said, let's just build this up the right way. And now here we are doing similar numbers with less overhead and ultimately just more joy and satisfaction from us and going back to the why, which is, you know, creating memories for people that we're not in the fishing business. We're in the memory creating business. And every time we focus on that, we end up finding that usually the right doors open. We actually are making decent money. Now it's profitable finally. And that's uh, <laughs> three, three and a half years later, but that's the toughest part. I mean, I, I think like anything, if you can get past you know, the first 18 or 24 months and, and add value, be helpful, and listen to the audience, find out what they want, and then make it for them, build it for them, whether it be a product or a service or a fishing club like ours, build it for them. So this isn't just luck that this happens, and it isn't just persistence that you keep trying to find this, this uh, success because, honestly, you found the success. You cut it off right away. But in order to do that, you have to have some skills. From what I can tell, you or someone is really good at a lot of the computer side of this business. Is that you? Well, no, I don't know the first thing about like making a website, but um, marketing, if that's like social media marketing and, and basically promoting and getting traffic to a website, apps, that's, that is one thing that we did really well in the financial services industry. And, and then we took I mean, here's how important I think that is, especially for kids these days. If you can learn how to, to really, it's marketing and then salesmanship. I mean, that's, you always have a job because we took the same skills that we're using in, in the financial services and literally applied them. And we did the same blog style. We used the same WordPress platform. We literally copied what we had there and, and it worked. But you still have to be helpful and you have to listen to, to what people want and not just do what you want to do. Well, I think a big part of, of why people are drawn to, to you and, and Salt Strong and Luke and it is, because, is because you're very authentic. And that can be perceived in a lot of different ways. Authentic can mean, you know, a guy that spends 300 days on the water, right? Talking about what he talks about. Authentic can also mean, hey, we are not guys that spend 300 days on the water. We're just like you. And that has been a real winning combination for you guys you got it i mean our main marketing video that attracts people in is just that we it's funny it's it's not a public one but it's one that you know if you follow us you could probably get retargeted through facebook and stuff but it's literally us my brother and i talking about our failures showing a picture of my brother's my brother literally has a second bedroom still to this day of tackle and lures he was just like how in my book i talk about chasing the wrong things hoping it's gonna help make me happier 
so many fishermen do that. They think they need to go buy all this tackle and equipment, and there's nothing against tackle and equipment. But if you just keep buying all the same stuff and just getting more and accumulating more, that doesn't mean you're just going to catch more fish. You still need to study the biology of the fish. You need to be out in the water. And I mean, you could have a six-figure flats boat and the nicest rods and reels and even the liveliest live bait. And if you're in a dead zone, you ain't going to catch fish. And we just talk about that. We kind of beat ourselves up a little bit. And we talk about that. We, for years, for a decade, we went to the same handful of spots. And if we got to a spot and someone was in there, we were like a lost kid at Disney. And, and people, to your point, they think it's, you know, hey, I, that sounds like me. I get it. Versus us just saying, oh, we're the best. We catch fish every time we go. That's not true. We're, we're slowly and surely getting better every day, just like we hope our audience members do. And when, when we go to an area that we're not even remotely good at, like grouper fishing, we go hire a good grouper guide. Like Dylan Hubbard, who we got on board, who is, and his family's been on, on the water for 91 years out of Hubbard's Marina. And we don't ever want to go pretend that we're the best at that. But I, I, th- I, I like to use the term like um, Oprah Winfrey, right? Oprah is not really an expert at anything, but she's bringing in all the right people who are the experts. And we're trying to slowly but surely do that in the fishing world so that we can ultimately go out there and create more memories and more experiences for people. Tell me this. It's interesting you talk about Dylan Hubbard there. 91 years as his family's out there. You've got a guy that, that buys a house nearby. He has plenty of money. He buys a boat. In a lot of cases, the last person he wants to go talk to is that guy. Because even if you've never met it, I don't know, Dylan, but you're saying 91 years, he is a lot of history there. It's an intimidating kind of thing for somebody that just might have moved into town. I mean, for some people it's not, but for some people it is. It's like, man, I'll just, I want to go anywhere that that guy's not because what if he yells at me? What if... What if he laughs at me? Why would he want to go take me to a place that I'm going to go again, right? So tell, tell me how, do you ever talk about that with your, with your people? Of how do you approach one of these guys? You say, you say if I want to learn how to grouper fish, I just hire a grouper guide. Well, there's a, a method to doing that that is above board. There is a method to doing that which is really low down and dirty, and what's the difference between the two in your in your opinion? Because that guy's livelihood re- relies on his spots, and and you know he is booked today and tomorrow and the next day. He doesn't care if it's the weekend. What's the difference between the low down dirty approach to get that knowledge and the above board approach in your opinion? Well. I mean, you already said the, the low down dirty is, and they make, you know, on those charters, especially when you're going off to someone's spots, they've worked really hard to get is to, you know, to keep your phone to your Navionics app or whatever on and, and be tracking it. And that's, I mean, it's, it's really dirty and it happens. The right way to do it is just like they did is to get the knowledge and we're trying to give people shortcuts. And that's our whole goal is to get you from point A to point B as quick as possible without having to be on the water 300 days a year. And I mean, it comes down to me to, to the one word is trends, because once you can start getting the trends, you can start predicting a little bit better. You're never going to be perfect. But if, if you know that because you've studied the trends that a redfish should be here because of this tide and this is the temperature and they're looking for this kind of water and here's where the bait is, eventually you're going to get better and be able to replicate that in multiple places and not have to go back to the same three or four spots over and over and over again. That's what people do, right? But I what mean, if, what if, you know, somebody is really super interested and they want to get your course and they're going to do that, but they also want to hire this guy. How do you approach that person and tell them what you're trying to do? Well, we're a little bit different because we're not like, 
hands-on on the on the phone. I mean, we're trying to do something. No, I know, but just just say you're like like what I'm getting at is like the low down dirty is exactly what you said, being being covert and hiding Stealing. hiding this yeah. this this phone that's tracking the movements, and then you fully intend to go back there. Yes. Where I had people do that. Now we didn't have cell phones when people were doing this. Yeah. We had actual GPSs, and I and this guy can, insists on bringing this bag, and he leaves it out on the deck, and then I hear this beeping, and I'm like, "What's in the bag there?" And nothing, nothing. And so finally, he opens it up, and I'm like. Is that a GPS? Are you, I mean, do you really think that's okay? Because had you, had you have come to me and say, Hey, listen, I just moved down here. I've got a boat. I'm trying to learn my way around. Could you help me? There were tons of places that I could have taken him. Then I would have been happy to teach him every single thing about that. But that's not how he chose to go about it. Yeah. So at that point, charter's over and we're going back and it wasn't a good experience for either one of us. Yep. He didn't learn many spots. I was very upset because, because of this, this lack of trust and just this, this underhanded, slimy way that he went about trying to do this. Yeah. Whereas I had many other people call, hey man, I've gone out there, I've run aground 15 times. My wife is super pissed because... We, we're trying to make it out to, to Snipe Keys. We can't get there. I've hit two coral heads. I've run aground twice. It's cost me $20,000 in repairs. Yep. I, I just want to go out and catch a fish. Can you help me? I'm happy to book you, right? And, you, and that's a, that, the, the difference between those two situations is monumental. Yeah. Now you have a, a guide that is your friend that wants to fish with you more. Yep. And gradually will develop trust and gradually will take you to the best places and show you why these are the best places right. and explain them to you so that you can go out and find your own best Which places. It's all about the trends. So, exactly. So like, and you're right, most, not all, but the vast majority of guides and charter captains truly are helpful. They want to be helpful. They don't necessarily want to show you their best spots, but they want you to go not out first. there. Exactly. But even like, let's just take Peter Deeks or C. Richardson. You know, those are two other guys that are that are on our team, if you will. And that was a big issue they had is, you know, are we going to be filming in my best spots? No. But take us to a good spot and we'll take the drone up and you literally like dissect it and talk about why this is a good spot. And most of them have no problem doing that, especially if it's a public spot that's out in the open. But to get up on the drone and actually point it out and say, here's why. Do you see this? This, this is structure right here. Here's when, what time of year this is going to be a good spot. Here's how you can replicate this anywhere. Like with right. CA, we, we actually took a, a spot in St. Pete, showed, showed it on the map, sh- get on Google Maps and showed it, and then went and found another spot in Texas, a whole different state that looked really, really similar and says, look, this is identical. It's the same little peninsula. It's the same. Water's going to be cutting the same way. It's got a little grass there as far as you could tell. You could literally replicate that same kind of spot anywhere. Hmm. That's interesting because you, get, you take a guy like CA, and you know, CA is a, a a teacher. He's yeah. a that's oh, what yeah. he does. Yeah. He is a he is a very natural teacher. He enjoys teaching. But that doesn't mean that if you book him for the first time, you move into town, you get a house near his, you buy a you buy a boat similar to his, that you're gonna book him and he's gonna take you out and show you and let you leave a trail of breadcrumbs to this to right. this spot, right? And then he's gonna teach you all of these different ways that and the reasons why this is a good spot and all of that. That may take fishing with him for three or four years 
Yeah. Not to mention that you can't just fish with him anytime you want to. He's a guy that's in high demand. So yeah. maybe you're getting two or three days. So now that two or three years is now a 10 year relationship. And then he might take you some of the, some of his best spots and really show you because he trusts that you're not going to exploit these spots, that you're not going to become a guide overnight, that you're not going to do all these different things, but your course is allowing that to happen in a very, very short time. You got it. And so that's really the effectiveness of the online course, I guess, is that CA is trusting you yep. as the producer of these things, yep. that you're not going to exploit him and his spots and, and provide GPS locations to all of these spots, I'm assuming, but you are going, and, and, and really for him as a, as a guide, he is also at that point, say, taking control of the situation saying, okay, if I'm going to teach, somebody's going to teach these people. Right. So let's teach them the most ethical way to enter these spots, yep. the most why you want to not leave prop scars, why you want to fish it in this way yep. versus a different way. And, and that, that's a pretty interesting thing because now he is going to encounter these people on the water, yeah. but they are going to be operating in a way that he prefers them to operate. And just having more fun, right? I right. mean... You, as someone who has a fishing company, we and me, we all want people to go out there and enjoy their time. If they're going out and getting skunked every time, eventually they're going to stop buying fishing licenses. They're going to stop investing in new tackle on rods and reels and boats and kayaks. I mean, we want people to go out and have fun, especially that next generation. I mean, these phones, and I, I haven't played any of these video games in you know 12 or 15 years now, but... I've seen them and they're so realistic. It's scary. And now with virtual reality, like if, if this next generation is not out there fishing and, and having a good time doing it, right. Yeah. It, like none of us are going to have jobs in 20 years. You're exactly now. right. You know, I'm just, like, I'm just laughing when you're, when you're saying this and this could have even been on salt strong. It might be on cook slams or one of the other funny accounts that I follow. But there was this, there was this fat kid sitting on the beach with VR glasses on and I just thought that was the funniest thing that I'd ever seen. I'm like, dude, take the glasses off. I mean, yeah. like it's re it's, re it's reality and it's pretty awesome. And, and you see a kid out there with virtual reality glasses on, on the beach with yeah. his shirt off, like, like just hanging out. And, and, and that is the, that is the road that, that we're trying to get people not to go down. And the, the, you know, when I think about your mission and your, your, um, purpose, your why that we've talked about to, to try to get every kid to have the opportunity to fish. That's it. Like you say, that doesn't mean that every kid will become a fisherman. Right. That doesn't mean even that every kid is going to like fishing. Yep. It may mean that that's the one and only time that they go. But you know what? On the way to going fishing, you might have walked down a trail. They may have never walked down a trail in the woods before yeah. and said, the fishing part sucked. But, you know, I, I poked my finger. I got the line wrapped around my foot and I fell in the water. Yep. But what was really cool is I really liked walking on that trail. And I'm going to walk on that trail more. And I had no idea that there were fish in there. And you always talk about... Um, or, or it is always spoken about that ignorance is indifference, right? So if you don't know that these fish live in, in the water, you don't know that this is an important, interesting thing to do. There's absolutely no reason for you to be interested in protecting it, 
right? Got it. Yep. So that's where you bring the conservation back into it. What is Salt Strong doing for for uh, conservation? Well, we're that's a it's a also a really tough question, and we get that a lot now. And I mean, we're doing everything that we can. I mean, we literally just became profitable. And I think what what I hate more than anything, like we had a guy recently. And he was like, well, you guys are part of the problem. You're just teaching people how to go out there and catch fish. And you're not, you know, you're not donating like Coast or Guy Harvey. I was like, Coast and Guy, Guy Harvey have been around for 30 plus years. Like we're in our third year. Like we don't have the funds because the only thing that you can really do to help conservation is time or money. And we're kind of scarce on both right now, but we're trying to do our best to become more profitable, to give back more. But because we have such a big audience and even our podcast, we're just trying to interview as many people as we can get the word out there. I mean, the Captains for Clean Water, we had you know them on the on the podcast. And I, I actually spoke to, to Andrew here. Andrew, right? Uh, Daniel? Daniel, yeah, 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 Daniel. And told him, hey, we have, I mean, we have 65,000 people every every week just on our little newsletter. I was like, man, we'll, we'll put it in the next, next just helping out any way we, we can. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't fully agree with that. I don't, in fact, I don't agree with that at all, that, that your responsibility as a company is to provide financial means to give back 1%. Your Salt Strong giving back 1% or SE Multimedia giving back 1% yep. is a tiny drop in the bucket to what you can do to help with education, right. to help with bringing attention to what Daniel and, and Chris Whitman and Captains for Clean Water and Bull Sugar and these other organizations, those are the people that are at the tip of the spear. Those are the people yeah. we are absolutely not conservation leaders in any I, I would never say that because no. I haven't quit my job and and dedicated my life to this like Daniel and Chris yes. and all these other people are. But what I can do is in operating my business well and what you can do in operating your business well is you have an audience that those people do not have. Yeah. And if you can educate those people on what they are doing, that's I it. find that is far better than 1% of your of your income, which right now is not much. And right. where would it go? Exactly. That's, where are you going to put it? Are you going to be some, like, I, I, I never really like it when I go to Whole Foods or someplace and it's like, you want to be part of, you want to give 10% to the Whole Planet Foundation? I don't even know what the Whole Planet Foundation does. Why would I want to do that? Yeah. Like, I want to give money to where it's going to be effective and make a difference. And right now, if I were to give money, I'd give it to Captains for Clean Water. Yeah. But what can I do that's even greater than money? Or can I do both? Can I give money and can I do something else? And using these platforms like your podcast, my podcast, uh, our social media accounts to bring attention to, to the real problem, bring yep. attention to giving people resources where they can actually go and become educated on these yep. things. I think that's the most important thing that we can do. Yeah, that's, and that's <laughs> what we'll be doing for the foreseeable future. I mean, we're not, we're not a conservation company, not to say we're not for it, but yeah. just like you guys, I mean, it's, it's, there's only so much we can do. But in our conservation has to become, uh, you know, just like, just like you're saying, you know, we're not an apparel company, but for apparel companies in fishing to flourish in 10 years, there have to be people that are 20 years younger than us yeah. that are getting interested in fishing that will yeah. buy stuff in the future. And that's where, where I think that you're doing a really good job. Not only are you teaching kids how to fish, but you're teaching people, you know, older people how to fish, which may even be more important, honestly, because 
how is a kid going to go fishing if someone doesn't take them? You got it. You know, I mean, in, in, in Florida, like a lot of kids live in Florida and you can walk down to the end of the road and there's some opportunity to, to throw a line in the water, but that's not the case all over the country. No, definitely and, not. and a lot of kids really need someone to take them. And in a lot of cases, you got a single parent or somebody that didn't grow up fishing and all of a sudden their kids watching one of the YouTube stars on on youtube and he's like I, I i'd like to go fishing yeah. have you ever been fishing and there's this moment of intimidation of no we're gonna go we're gonna go uh we can go to the aquarium right you know or we can they we were... can do this or we can do that but i don't think we're gonna go fishing yeah. because i don't know where to go i don't know anything about it i don't have any equipment there's that there's that period there, there's that point of of intimidation and and I think that for the fishing industry to really flourish and for to bring in a lot of new anglers, we have to figure out a way to to get past that to where somebody has a resource to go and that's in that's my opinion that's salt strong that's what we're trying to do another big thing that I meant to tell uh, tell earlier that we're really really like hitting hard is you know if you're gonna go have more fun it can't be just about the spot like you know mm -hmm. we we're talking about stealing spots or doing it the wrong way and to me and i'm sure you agree a big part of uh, of just the, the the thrill of fishing is going out and finding new spots like to me that's the coolest thing to go to a brand new spot that you researched yourself on you know now using online maps and you actually caught a nice fish there and like it worked that, man that is awesome yeah, and like and that's the most rewarding part and so even in our, our fishing club so luke and myself cover the west coast of florida and then tony is the the east coast he, he's now one of our employees uh today and every week we go to a brand new spot, a spot we have never fished before. And we film everything from the launch, if we're launching a boat or if it's a kayak launch. So they get to see exactly like, you know, with a GoPro real time, here's what's happening. We show where we saw fish, where we caught fish, where we miss fish. Like we, it's not like a TV show, nothing. It's TV shows where a big production. It's just us with a GoPro and like literally screwing up, getting you know, sometimes brought into mangroves and like falling off the, the powder board. I mean, we literally show everything. So it's kind of like a, a mini show, but you get to see everything. And hey, if you want to go to the same spot, great. If you want to go replicate it somewhere else, awesome. Uh, but I think that's such a thrill of fishing is going out and trying new spots and not being stuck on the same handful. It yeah, just but in order boring. to get there still, there you have to overcome that intimidation to Absolutely. get out there the first time. Absolutely. To get out there the first handful of times to where you feel comfortable. Well. I've never seen this on Salt Strong, and there's a boat ramp right over there, and looks looks good. Yeah, there has to be a there has to be a stair step approach to to having a good experience, learning a few things, having fun. Yes, and then realizing and developing enough confidence to realize that, hey, maybe I can do this on my own yeah. a little bit, and maybe, you know, maybe maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Right, right. And yep. that's, that's cool. Well, I think that, um, I think what you've created is, is awesome. I want to finish up with, I know you got a, you got a hard stop. You got to go, but I want to finish up with a couple of, with a couple of questions for you. Yeah. But before we get there, I want you to, to outline exactly how somebody gets to salt strong in every way, shape and form, because you have a, <laughs> a lot of different platforms <laughs> and a lot of different levels and layers to what you do. Yeah. Uh, so quickly, quickly go through that. And then I have a, a couple of interesting questions for you. I, I'm, I'm excited to know what you, 
what your response is going right, to cool. be. Well, the, I'll make it real easy. Saltstrom.com is is the main place. So saltstrom.com, you can find everything. But you know, Facebook is, I would say that's kind of our our bread and butter in terms of social media, where we have a, a group that's fifty one thousand as of we're filming this. Wow. You know, yeah, it's just it's a private Facebook group called Salt Strong Fishing Tribe. So how do you get in there? Just apply. You're not you're not in it? Come on. Well, I think I, I I might be, but I don't I don't really do Facebook that much. I like I don't know. If I didn't have to uh if I didn't have to do social media, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, I understand. But I, uh, I personally I spend more time on Instagram because I, I do like, too. That's my favorite. Do you have a do you have a private Instagram? I'll be in that. We don't because they don't really have the groups. I know. You know that so you need to, what you, I maybe love, you can do a third party solution. I would love to. Because <laughs> I mean this, you know, it is so important to have a community. And we don't actually. This is another really cool tip for someone starting a business or starting some kind of movement. So when we got into Facebook, we realized that there was a problem in the Facebook communities. There was a ton of Facebook groups for for fishing, and we were part of like eighty of them, like just to see what was out there. And the trend that I kept seeing was just so much negativity, so many keyboard police, so much cursing. It just it was it was just downright dirty. I mean, people putting really inappropriate pictures, and I was like, "There's not a clean fishing group." And my brother was against it. My brother's not even on this. He's he's literally like anti-social media. <laughs> he's on Facebook because we have to be because of the community. But he's like, "This is dumb." I was like, "Luke, here's the deal. We're going to be the first fishing community where we do not allow cursing. No, like no warnings. Literally, you're booted out." Really, and it caught on, and like we had people leaving us. This was this was hilarious. So what helped what helped grow it is we would kick people out, like really negative people that we don't want to do business with anyways, and then they would go to all these other groups that we were part of because we could see their posts saying, you know, screw Salt Strong, they're a bunch of Bible beaters. They won't even let you curse in there. And so these other guys who were all see the problem, like, well, like I don't want to. I'm embarrassed if my wife or my kids or my boss comes behind me and I'm seeing all these inappropriate pictures and cursing. Like, right. So that started attracting more people to it. <laughs> and the whole thing just started growing. So it started off with 1,000 people. We were high-fiving that we got to 1,000, and now it's 51,000 know, people today. That's amazing. And you have to apply. Like It's it's private only, so you have to answer a couple questions. And you don't follow the rules, which includes cursing, putting bad advertisements or just smut on there, then you're gone. Wow. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool. So that's, long story short, saltstrong.com, that's the other place where kind of our community exists. And then if you want to go up to the next level, it's all there on saltstrong.com, which is our fishing club and some of our courses with people like CA and Peter Deeks. And, and those are right there. You can just go, yeah. go buy, the, buy the course. That's what does right. the course cost? I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> it's, it's anywhere from, you know, $50, $50, I think like 47 some of the lowest, all the way to... We did one with Peter Miller, and it was like literally the same trolling tactics that they used to make millions. Like you could actually go make money in tournaments uh, for trolling and, and mm-hmm. his kite and his kite fishing, and that one's you know two hundred. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know if if you can afford to go out offshore fishing for sailfish, I mean two hundred dollars. That's not even a tank of gas. It's not your bait. I mean the bait costs more. Absolutely, and and some of the less expensive ones like wade fishing you know, that anybody can do. We just, we want people to get out there, but at the same point, we're still running a business and have to pay these pros and, and just want to give them an awesome experience. Do people tell you that they think it's worth it? Oh yeah. We get about, about 1% of people refund actually. What about, what about here walking around ICAST? Did you run into anybody that had taken a course and, and and had given you some feedback? You got it. Tons. And that, and to me, that's the most rewarding part because 
and, and this is a funny one. My dad, who was uh, in his mid-60s, and he didn't really get this whole model about being online. And you know, he's like, well, Joe, like, like we have a Redfish course. It's one of our top-selling courses. He's like, well, isn't all that stuff on there on YouTube? I was like, it probably is, Dad. But I was like, here's what you don't think about. Let's just say you are that guy who just moves down to Florida. You want to go out and catch redfish. And I use this example. If you go on YouTube right now, I just did this recently, and type in how to catch redfish. It's like 187,000 videos come up. Yeah. 187,000. And, and I among those, there, there is a good one. Absolutely. There's plenty of good ones. But you may not be able to find it in and, your 30 minutes that you're trying to learn how to catch redfish. I watched the first three, <laughs> and the first, the first one that pops up is not ours. We're one of the top five, but one of the very first ones is like 27 minutes long. And it's these two guys from Texas, and it's not, that, it's not good. It just, they happen to be one of the first people to post a, a redfish video way back in YouTube and YouTube still keeps it up there. And then if you watch the second one, it's counterintuitive what the first one tells you. So like, if you watch the first five, you would end up being more confused and lost <laughs> than had you just gone out there and tried it yourself. So we try to shorten that curve, take out all the fluff. There's no advertisements and just say, you're at point A, you want to become more consistent at catching redfish, you know, spend 50 bucks and get from point A to point B quicker <laughs> and not have to sift through I, I did the math. If the average video on just that redfish example was five minutes, it would take you like 2.2 years if all you did 24 hours a day was watch videos on redfish. 2.2 hmm. years. Wow. So we're just trying for, – for the guy who really wants to go out there, if you're young and you're 20 and you have plenty of time, it's probably not the best fit for you. But if you're someone who actually knows the value of your time and you don't want to sift through hours and hours of stuff to figure out one tip, it's an awesome investment. Hmm. And it's a money-back guarantee. Like I said, 1% of people do refund, and some are just jerks, and some truly do know everything, I guess. And But we don't ask any questions and give it back. So Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we had talked about we had talked about doing uh, one on on uh, fly casting or yeah. fly fishing for for bonefish or or fly fishing for permit or something. I I, I personally think that the fly fishing for bonefish um, is a smaller audience. And if I were to do one with you, I would just do one on overall fly fishing yep. uh, or fly casting, wading on a boat yeah. with trees behind you. You know, all in the wind. Yes. Uh, all of these different situations because I, I, you know, I think I, I just talked to CA about this and the whole purpose of doing it is to, you know, we don't have a lot of time. Um, and I can give one person a casting lesson yep. and I can write an article on casting or whatever, but the amount of time that I can put towards that, I'd like to see that help as many people as possible. We're the platform to scale it is, is yeah. what we're trying to and do. And so, so, you know, I can choose to spend those three hours teaching 10 people or teaching 50 people, yeah. or maybe it gets out to 2,000 people or 5,000 people yep. or whatever. So I don't know. I guess if you want to see me do a, a, a fly casting thing with, with Salt Strong, send me a pod, send me an email at the podcast at Saltwater Experience and, and uh, I'll, 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 I'll consider it. It's not even being a consideration. It's, oh, it's we gotta, trying we to, to it. make the time to do it in the schedule. And, uh, it, you know, I definitely want to do it. So, that's how to get salt strong. Yep. Joe is a uh, is a guy that that I have a lot of respect for because he has uh, you you just heard his story. He he was doing great, discontent, and decided consciously made a conscious decision to to take risks and to do 
things outside of the norm to take not not just take the path less traveled to take the path where there is no path and and create this path and you know lucky for us in the fishing industry that you've been able to do that in a way that is benefiting a lot of people and i think when you're giving back and you're benefiting and you're helping people of course you're on the same page here but when you are helping people you just feel better about yourself oh yeah you really do and especially yeah. when you're walking around that show and people are coming up to you and saying man i took your course never caught a redfish before and i caught 15 the first day i was out there even, it's unbelievable even just one yeah and then when they go teach their kid that like you talked right. about earlier about that parent because if the parents aren't doing it if they're not having fun if they're not confident they're not going to teach their kids right they're just going to go to the movies. And a the lot aquarium. of people don't need a lot of success. I mean, you don't need to go win a tournament. Most people right. don't need or have any expectation or desire to ever even enter a tournament, much less win one. Right. They just want to be able to confidently go out there and know that they're not going to hurt anybody. Their kids are going to be safe. They're going to have a good time. And there's a reasonable expectation to catch a fish. Yeah. Right? Yes, and, and along the way, they might catch a different kind of fish. That. That's cool, yep. but you know, just enough to know. Look, we're in the right place. We're doing the right things. Some days the fish don't bite. Some days they do bite. But I just don't feel like a complete idiot out here, right. and I'm actually having fun. And you know what? The most important thing is my kids having fun, and we're spending a lot of time together. Yep. And we're found. We found something that we can do together. Yeah. And and he's not on his Game Boy all day or whatever. <laughs> do they even have Game Boys anymore? That's how old I am. Okay, Joe. I want to. It's a little speed round. All right. And uh, we're going to finish this up with, with just a couple of questions that I scratched down right before you walked in the door. Favorite superhero? Uh, man, Walt Disney is not a superhero, but like he's the guy, to me, talking about creating memories. He's put so many smiles on so many people's faces. So to me, he's a superhero. Okay, he's a superhero. Yeah. That's it. Favorite quote? Oh man, it's gonna Fail. be a tough one because you have a thousand million I'm, of them. I'm just in here. gonna say failing forward. I mean, that's that's one of our big missions. That's t in terms of our core, you know, core benefits, and uh, I mean our, our core um, uh, our core metrics. We always say fail forward. Don't be afraid to try something new mm -hmm. and learn from the mistakes and keep failing forward. Yeah, failing forward, short and sweet. Uh, there's also, you know, you can you can uh, extrapolate that out just a little bit and be like ready, fire, aim, and like. <laughs> You're, you're ready to do something right you take action and then you adjust as you That's as it. you move through there and that is that is failing forward it's not being afraid to it's not being afraid to fail yep. because if you're afraid to fail you're never gonna you're never gonna have success the people who have had the most success have failed the most yeah. the difference between those people and the people the other people is that they either quit yeah. or they didn't learn from the mistakes and they kept making the same mistakes over and over again. Just yeah. like you said, just learn from it. Move I don't forward. remember. I don't remember if I put the torpedo analogy in the book or not. What is it, that? There, there was some stat on a torpedo leaves, let's just say a battleship and it's got a target and that torpedo usually is always going to hit that target. And it might be five, 10 miles away. And in that 10, five to 10 miles, that torpedo leaves point A it knows where it's supposed to hit and usually hits that area pretty much precisely, but it takes around 10,000. That's the number that, that, I, that I read, 10,000 different little small pivots to finally hit the right target, 10,000. And that's kind of like my business and not really our lives in general is once you have that plan and you, and especially when you write something down like my wife and I did, we're not going to get there overnight. 
But and we might take a hundred thousand different pivots, but I think that's just so important to keep failing, know where you're trying to be and realize where you are today, and then it's not gonna happen overnight, and you're gonna have to fail and move a lot. You're gonna have to pivot a lot, but eventually you'll get there. And that's kind of how we're living our lives and our business. And slowly but surely, we still have those 16 questions, you know, printed out and written down and and I bring them out every once in a while, and, and we're getting closer and closer all the time. And it's pretty cool. Hmm. And it might change. We might do it again in a couple of years, and it changes a little bit more, but just keep pivoting. But that's yeah. why I love the fail forward. It's Man, just yeah. good, good advice. Okay. Rocky or Rudy? Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> are you Rudy or oh, you man. like Ru- Rudy or Rocky? Better. Rocky gets you pumped up, but like Rudy, I emotionally, like I cried during, like, Me too. Uh, who didn't, right? Who did? Right. Come on, but man. Rocky was more like you get like pumped really up, but... you didn't cry during Rudy. I I'll, mean, I'll seriously, it, what were you doing? You were watching it while you were making dinner or something in the kitchen. Like you, I admit it. And they were playing Georgia Tech. A lot of cool memories. That was mm, yeah. I didn't even think about the Georgia Tech part, yeah, yeah. but I knew I knew just with all the books and everything else. You those those movies were probably both <laughs> inspirational to you as they were to me too. Yeah. Most gifted book. Oh, most gifted. Mm-hmm. Well besides my own um let's go beside your own i the one i've given the most recently is think and grow rich it's it's a it's an awesome one it's one that everyone needs to read and i i give that away more than anything else um i'm trying to think there's that's that's got to be because i've given that away recently Mm -hmm. morning routine so I have a, uh, and I talk about it in the in the book. Every morning it's five fifteen now. It was five eleven for for whatever reason. So weird. I wake up at five oh two. Do you really? Yeah. I don't know. I, I had an old alarm clock that was broken on the minutes, yeah. so I couldn't set the minutes. So I would just set the the hours, and I kept assuming that this thing was just going to die any day. But it lasted for years and years <laughs> and years. So I got the I got the uh, the habit of waking up at five oh two. Too fun. And uh, and then even when I got a new alarm clock, it's 5.02. That's when I get up. So I'm nine minutes after you. Yeah. See? Approximately. That's why, that's why I got the edge. <laughs> but it's so true. When I wake up early, and I would encourage everyone to do this, even if you're not a morning person, and my wife is not, and she's been doing it, and I mean, we are both happier. Like, we get more stuff done. And um, anyhow, to answer your question, so early in the morning, I always do some type of workout whether even if it's just 20 minutes walk around the block just to clear my head that's usually what i'm doing first now and i've been changing it up but i always write like what i'm grateful for i think that's so important and and even though like my brother and i get in arguments occasionally he's usually one of the first people i'm saying i'm grateful for and i feel like every time i do it even if that night like we had i mean as brothers the good news about working with a brother or family member is you get stuff off your chest quickly and it doesn't sit there and fester. But mm-hmm. bad news is it gets off your chest quickly and it, <laughs> you know, it doesn't come to blows. But like, I remember nights where I'm, I, I'm like literally angry with him. Next morning, I was like, I'm grateful for my brother Luke. And like, it, I feel like a burden comes off your chest. And like, you can't really grow if you're angry or you know, if you just have anger towards someone or something. And so I always write what I'm grateful for and write a little bit about just what's happening because I do want to write more books and I want to be able to go back with this kind of daily journal, which I'm pretty good about doing every day. And just like, man, that's where I was at that time. That's what I was feeling. That was what I was struggling with. This is the stuff that was awesome. That was really working. And it's just a, just a paragraph and that's it. So that, and then I, I am bad about, I write it, I write it in the book that in the visualization and kind of meditating, 
it's like maybe three or four minutes. It's, but it, I think that is really important just to kind of take a breath or two or 10 and just kind of think about what you want to get done that day, be grateful for it, and then go out there and kick some booty. Yeah, yeah. execute. Yep. All right, uh, favorite color? Blue. And your favorite fish to catch? I'd say the snook. You know, we grew up bass fishing in, in Winter Haven, Florida, and the snook is kind of like that bass on steroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're sneaky too. Yeah, yeah. They're sneaky. Even though... Well, Joe, you're a beast. I'm, uh, it, it's a pleasure to know you because you're so positive, man. You're just super happy. You got a smile on your face all the time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, somewhere deep inside there, you know, I don't know you that well, but uh, I can kind of see what you might look like with a scowl on your face. And uh, I see that maybe as that's how it was, you know, a few years before you started Salt Strong. And now you're just smiling ear to ear and yeah. just super pleasure to be around. And, and uh, it's infectious and contagious. And, and that has shown through in the 51,000 that are following you super closely, but countless hundreds of thousands that are, that are following you from a, from a little further away. And it's not just you, it's your brother too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you and your brother are, are, are an outstanding team that each bring something interesting to the table and for whatever reason man you guys have uh you've 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 really created something that that a lot of people are getting behind Thank it's you, a man. it's a movement it's a motion it's it's in motion and uh just wish you all the best and uh hope Thank we'll you. work together Thank you for all the help you like I said you were that guy that <laughs> that I look to as a mentor from day 1 that actually like Took me under when you was like uh, a four hour lunch, but you literally wow. told me like, well, I learned so much in those four hours about just how the business works. Yeah. And it was really eye opening. Well, so, and I want to be able to do that to someone else. So thank you. It's nice for you to say that. And I appreciate it. I'm just glad that that, uh, that, that actually went somewhere. Oh yeah. All right, buddy. Thank you, man. We'll do it again. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming to the podcast today, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Joe Simons of Salt Strong. That's really a great conversation. I really very much enjoyed it. I love having Joe as a part of the fishing community and all the things that he and his brother Luke are doing with Salt Strong, getting more and more people interested in fishing. And man, listen, if you're not happy with your life, if you're unfulfilled, it's not too late. Change it. Do something about it. And you could be like Joe Simons, smiling ear to ear every time I see him. The guy is truly one of the happiest guys I know. And that conversation tells me that uh, if you're not happy about it, about your life and where you are right now, it's as easy as just walking through some of those exercises that he showed us and, and changing us, changing it. Hey, send us an email, podcast at Saltwater Experience. Let us know that you're listening. Tag us on Instagram at uh, either Tom underscore Roland or Saltwater Experience. Let me know what you think about the podcast. If you got suggestions for guests, drop those in there too. You can hear all past episodes on iTunes by searching Tom Rowland Podcast, or you can go to our website, saltwaterexperience.com slash podcast, and you can sit here every one of the episodes that we have through SoundCloud. Until next week, thank you. 